I, when I drink wine, I'm either really tra- in a trashy mode or really classy. There's really no <laughs> in between. For me. I have to be honest with you guys. The, the, the more I get, I, the more I go into this industry, the trashier I get. I mean, I don't even like, I don't even care anymore, man. Just like pour it in a Dixie Dude, or a, yeah. pour it in a solo cup. I do not. I just don't care. I mean, but at least I have like some back knowledge. I just. I, Yeah, go to your local oh, pub and, and order a glass of white wine and, sl- and slurp it around and see what I'm happens. I'm going to stand at the bar and hold it up like this over my head at the bar and go, hmm, yes, yes. <laughs> but, like, we're doing this for fun, and I've drank $100 Bordeaux out of a jelly jar uh, <laughs> with, with no food. Also, Alicia, I think like- that quote right there is going to be at the top of the episode as our lead-in. Yeah, we always have a lead-in, and that might be it. <laughs> That's the clip. Welcome to the Thunk Tank. Come in the tank. We're thinking. And we're thinking. <laughs> and we're thunked. And we're thunked. Oh my god. I'm probably more beer than man if we go far enough back at this point. Oh yeah! Oh, well, this is the cast. I can. <laughs> this is it. We're okay. starting. All right, yeah. Thunk Tank has started. All right, Woo! we're warmed up. <laughs> all right, uh, welcome to the cast, Alicia. Why don't you introduce yourself to all the thunkers? Thank you. Uh, my name is Alicia Bonsamino, and I am a level two sommelier in the sommelier world. That is not a sommelier whatsoever, and I do not tell most people that I'm a sommelier, except for my family, because they tell all their friends that I am, and it's not really true. But I do work for a wine and spirits wholesaler, and I taste, well, before COVID-19, when we were having meetings, I probably taste between, I probably taste around 70 different wines a week, 70 to, you know, you know, probably 70 wines, 70 different wines a week. That's a lot that's of a, wines. That's a, that's a lot. Yeah. That's more than the gla- number of glasses of water I have every week. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of Is that tasting. good or bad? It, it just is. Okay. It's not anything. <laughs> you And you spit it out, I assume, right? Yeah, yeah, we spit it out. Um, unless it's... Uh, so Really good? Unless it's really good, yeah. And then you chuck. Exactly. <laughs> Isn't there a point in your day where you're like, well, it's kind of like 4.30, we're going to actually have a glass? Yeah, um, well, so the way that my day goes, so I work for a, a wholesaler, and so we sell wine fine wine and craft spirits to um, local restaurants in Connecticut and uh, liquor stores. So my role is to help restaurants create their wine lists, which is probably the most fun part of my job because I get to taste a lot of really cool wines that way. Um, I take inventory for the liquor stores and taste them on new products as well for them to bring new products in. Um, but yes, my last, uh, my last account of the day usually concludes with me drinking like a Miller High Life with one of my customers in the parking lot. Nice. <laughs> I see. I like it. Selling wine all day, drinking Miller High Life in the parking lot at night. <laughs> like a true or, superhero. <laughs> or like a, a 100 proof nippers of Smirnoff root beer flavored vodka. Ooh, how's that? It is so bad, but it gets the job done. <laughs> Fair enough. It's about to be expected. Is wine your favorite drink of choice? Like, Yeah, why wine? Why not? craft beer or cocktail oh, I guess you Johnny Anglin Anglin for a battle uh, <laughs> um, no I um I think that my love affair with wine be- I know that it began at a very young age um and a lot of people say that since I've been in the uh since I've been in the wholesale industry because I'm around it so much it's kind of teetered off a little bit and usually when I'm home, I don't drink a lot of wine um, unless we get something super, super cool and geeky. And um, yeah, uh, so is wine my drink of choice? It was at one point in my life. And it is if it's really good, but it's got to be worth it for me to like, you know, crack open a bottle because I don't, I'm not just going to have a glass of wine. Like when you open the bottle, you have to finish that bottle, you know. You never so, recork it for like the next night or, or for a couple um, of days? I don't know. I mean, if, if my husband and I are sharing the bottle, it usually would never last that long anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's a fair point. But sometimes, like, I'll have one glass of wine with a meal, 
and then my fiance will have one and then it'll still be half full and we'll do the same thing the next night. Oh yeah, you can, yeah, there's no, there's no problem there. And sometimes it tastes better the next day I've found, like it, it, or at least it changes in its taste. It, sometimes it definitely tastes better the next day. Um, and that all depends on the wine and your preference of what better is. I mean, that I don't think better or best or any of those words are like, I mean, it's such a subjective topic as with beer that, you know, um, I don't know. Um, I'm fascinated. Don't you finish. Uh, I'm fascinated. The one thing that I am still fascinated with wine is the agricultural part of it. Um, if I were to ever, you know, really go for it, if I had like unlimited resources and in like the absolute perfect world, I would love to own a vineyard and, um, not be a winemaker, but, uh, sell fruit and sell juice to other people. That that's what I'm most interested in. I'm most interested in the farmer, the viticulture of I'm it I'm most all. interested in the viticulture. Yeah. And that's the difference mm. between a vineyard and a winery, correct? So, yeah, so a winery is where you make the wine, um, and then a vineyard is where it's grown. So a vineyard is the physical place where the grapes start to grow, yeah. A yard of vines. Exactly. Makes sense. I don't know if I've ever actually thought about it A murder of prose. (laughs) I want to go back to something you said a little bit before about uh, people's love of wine blooming. Does that mean that European sommeliers have sort of a leg up on Somalia is from the U.S. because they legally can start drinking at 18, most of them, mm. or even younger. Whereas, you know, I'm sure that there are undergrad studies, you know, like you did, but how does that work? The most famous sommeliers in the world um, are from America. And I think it's because, I just think it's because, you know, these people have a lot of money and they were able to travel the world you know they Mm -hmm. were able to do it so without traveling the world there's no way that anyone could really achieve the title of master sommelier or master of wine um and and, any of them will tell you that i mean there's not a lot there's not many people in the world that have those titles and it's because it's expensive to do you know traveling the world and usually vineyards will put you up but like you know who's paying for your travel the 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 society of wine uh, uh, educators is not paying for your travel. The wine spirits education trust is not paying for your travels. I mean, you're paying them a lot of money to get these certificates, and it's up to you to do the homework. And who's paying so, for your time to devote all those years to study that and become a master? Yeah. So, you know, the or when I started. I started my career working for a winery and a vineyard on Long Island called Shin Estate Vineyards, which is still there, and I have a lot of respect for them. I decided at around that time that I, I no longer wanted to work in restaurants, and a sommelier job is someone in restaurants who helps the guests choose wines. Um, it just wasn't conducive to my lifestyle any longer, as it, where it once was working in restaurants. So I kind of put a pause on my education. And when I, you know, had graduated college, (laughs) with a degree in with a degree, that was very expensive. And I was, you know, in my second level, uh, 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 wine spirit education trust sommelier courses that I was taking in Manhattan. I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I have no, I don't know about any, I don't know about anything else. And thankfully there, you know, there is a career out there for people who want to work with wine every day and also want to enjoy their nights and weekends and holidays. Um, and it's distribution and uh, it's becoming a little bit more popular for people to leave the restaurants and get into distribution. I feel lucky that I was able to get into it when I did because it started to get really competitive. <laughs> People and realize that's a dope way to have your nights free and still be in the biz. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, it's really cool. And I work for a really great company. So uh, I have a question about sommeliers. I want to go back real quick before we move on. Um, and then I'm going to compare a lot of stuff erroneously to craft beer because that's my world and my point of reference. Okay. But uh, like at least in uh, American beer beer culture like we used to be considered the shittiest beer in the world up to like even 20 30 40 years ago um but because we don't have like a traditional 
like a like a heirloom brewing tradition that goes back hundreds and thousands of years like some places do um like it was easier for us to like reinvent and, and come up with new trends and stuff. So like craft beer now is in America is copied in other places. So I wonder if, because like a French sommelier, would they grow up with a very French centric, like take on wine or maybe even like, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is. It's not French superiority, but the idea that like an inherent bias as opposed to America where it's like, Oh, try everything. Is there any of that in the wine world? Like regional, um, I don't know what the term is. Bias, uh, yeah. Bias, yeah, yeah, regional bias. I don't think that there would be regional bias in the sommelier world because, you know, if there if there are 10 people, you know, taking their final, uh, you know, master sommelier exam in Texas and, you know, three of them are from France and two of them are from Italy and the rest of them are from the United States, they've all had to have the same experiences. You know, they've had to have the same experiences with wines from around the world. So I don't think that there's a, um, a cultural bias in the sommelier world just because they have to taste the same wines. It probably cancels out, yeah. They, they, taking, they taste everything. Yeah, they're taking the same exam and all that. Uh, I do think there might be some cultural bias when it comes to farming, though, because everyone thinks that their winery and their vineyard is the best one. Uh, and they have to do that because sales and marketing um and i it's mean it's like every no city's orchestra has the most special orchestra it's like really <laughs> no one's gonna say <laughs> not all of you could be right is, yeah no one's gonna say their wine is middling but worth the price you <laughs> can't really put that on the label right um, so i asked because i saw a movie with alan rickman about wine that i really love i don't know if you've seen it called bottle shock yes of course oh i've, I've heard of that yeah it, it, I, I thought it was a great movie but it's it's all about this uh i think he's english this English wine guy who opens up a shop in France and no one takes him seriously. And then he like starts discovering really good American California wines before they were considered good. I guess it was like the seventies. And he sets up a blind taste testing between American and French wines and uh, like all the best like French sommeliers. And they all blindly choose the American one and say, oh, this must be the French one. This is like a perfect fr example of a French wine. And, like, no, you gave it to, you know, whoever it was, Kurt Russell or whoever played the American vineyard owner. Um, is that real or is that just totally made up? No, that's a real that really happened. It's the um, the Paris tasting of 1982 or, or 1978, something like 1979. I don't know. The old like Paris that. tasting of 1978. Oh, that was my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> is, One of my is favorite that really tastings. When, uh, <laughs> is that really when things kind of turned around for American winemaking? Absolutely. We were just a joke before that in the uh, international? Yes. And the uh, that, you know, our, America's most famous wine growing region is Napa Valley in California. And it was because of that tasting that kind of put it on the map. I mean, this was a lot of hippies coming from the East Coast, driving out to California, buying cheap farmland. Um, a lot of it was then were like uh, like grape farms and like uh, plum farms for like prunes and raisins, and um, some of it was converted uh, the uh, converted to Vitis vinifera, which is the um, genus for the type of grapes that are grown specifically for wine. That winery is called Chateau Montalena. It's still around. It's actually, it's like, it's, and it was a Chardonnay. It was a, a white wine. Um, it was actually, in an ideal world, we would have tasted that wine because it's really special. Um, but um, it's like $40 a bottle. And I think that that's, in my opinion, that's the real problem with wines uh, from America, specifically California, or especially California. They're just not accessible to the everyday consumer. So how can you tell someone like, oh, you know, whatever, this wine from Gallo is garbage or... <laughs> Getting wine. Go ahead, it's keep okay, talking. It's okay. we'll clean this, this, the wine from Gallo is garbage, um, you know, but it's only $7.99 a bottle. Um, right. $7.99 is like at the price point where I start to go, eh, I don't know if I'm going to buy this. I'd rather go up five more dollars. Yeah, sure. I, I need at least four like digit places, I feel like. Okay. Yeah, I think most people feel comfortable in the four-digit places. Yeah. I can say, though, that there are wines from Spain that cost $7.99 that could rival a bottle from California that's $19.99. Yeah, I believe that, that, yeah. 
that is the issue that I have with American wine because it's like you don't want to make this accessible to this new group of consumers, the millennials who are going to absolutely take over what, um, you know, how, you know, we sell wine and, and how we market it and how, you know, we do with all that. Um, so if they're not doing that, which California certainly is not, um, they're trying, but no one wants to spend $50 on a bottle of, you know, Napa Valley Chardonnay. Um, they'll turn to other places like Spain and France and Italy. Yeah. yeah. That's sort of one of my general questions too, because I, I mean, I am about as much of a wine noob as someone could be yet. I do love wine and I do know, I have noticed that sort of what I was saying earlier, if it's less, if it's under $10, it's in my experience, it hasn't been a good experience generally. If it's between 13 and $20, it's usually actually pretty good. And then once I get into the 25 or higher range, I don't even really know quite what I'm looking for anyways. And that's where it sort of gets, it, I know it's all good, but I, I feel as if I don't notice some of the distinctions that would warrant me spending more money on it because I don't know which ones I'm picking when I go to the store. So that's kind of like one of my general questions. It, it, do you have any advice in terms of, cause I went to the store earlier and I tried to just find something that I thought sounded okay. That was in the, 15 to $20 range, but I don't know what to base it on. I mean, is there any guidelines for just noob people like me who go into a wine store? I want something that smells like cat pee, you might be able to say, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a start, right? <laughs> if that's what you're into. I mean, I think that the, um, the, the best thing to do is just ask the person behind the counter. Mm. Um, you know, those people are, hopefully they're trained at least a little bit. And if they're not, they can at least point you in the direction of uh, what's most popular. Mm. Um, I mean, but that's yeah, a good place to start. I mean, there's books and stuff out there, but I don't yeah. think it needs to be that complicated. I got a book. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of it. Have you heard of the guy Richard Betts? No. So he, he wrote one of these, like, it's like a cardboard book. It's got maybe 20 pages tops, and it's a scratch and sniff-like book. So he just goes through all the things you might okay here are like the different aromas you might pick up on and you scratch and sniff and then here is like this kind of soil this kind of and and you just kind of really get a little bit of an education very very simplified but for me it was just cool to be able to go oh okay yeah yeah i smell the difference between like pear notes and you know berry notes like now let me see if i can notice that next time i drink and of course i didn't i was just like smells like wine well i'm curious about that how accurate is that alicia something like a scratch and sniff book is that really representative of... i scratch and sniff all the time that's what i mean <laughs> maybe it wasn't really a scratch and sniff book and you just thought it was luke is that how how on point are those do you have any idea I I have no idea. Um, yeah. I have no idea how accurate they are. Um, I uh, what I can say though is like if they're you know if they're oh God I don't want to get I, I just don't I feel like I'm going to get caught up in the minutia of all of this because it's like I actually I think I find it wine to be a very complicated top topic. Yeah. But for sure. um, I think that you know best example that I can think of in Riesling, in German Riesling from specifically from the Moselle region of Germany, which is along the Moselle River. Um, uh, which is my favorite type of wine. Uh, a, a characteristic, a key characteristic of that wine is petrol, like like diesel fuel. Really? And yeah, and I really like that. I don't know why. <laughs> I used to love the smell of gas at the gas station when I was a kid. I'd be like, oh, right. it smells so good. Yeah, that lawnmower. Gets, you get high off of the fumes in, a little in bit. The, in the garage yeah. that you would just kind of <laughs> yeah. stand over staring at for hours on end in the summer. Yeah. So the, the thing is, and, and obviously this is the same with beer and the same with anything, is if I'm smelling something that smells like diesel fuel, you might smell the same smell but relate it differently based on like your sensory memory. Like my, one of my wine professors in college, we get petrol, he smells an open can, a freshly open can of tennis balls. We're smelling the same thing. <laughs> I've heard that one a lot from from um, wine people. The open tennis ball thing. Oh, yeah. Really? So it's yeah. the same. It's okay. the same aroma. It's just associating it differently. So that's where I think that a scratch and sniff book might not make any sense. Yeah, that's true. What mm. is the nastiest smell that is associated with wine? Cat like in, like beers. Beers. You, you there's like a horse blanket. You know, like a barn smell. So uh, I guess she means like off off flavors. Like or, no, no, no. Like. Barn, okay. barn smell is a good smell in some beers, <laughs> like like horse blanket. But it's, it's a good thing. It's an off flavor. Con 
in terms of like how it's produced by the yeast is what what what's the wine equivalent like sometimes you can get beers that are like sulfury or metallic like what's the funkiest like wine taste i mean uh, like you talk about sulfur and like metal that to me if i opened a bottle of wine that smelled like sulfur or smelled like metal i mean depending on what kind of metal but like i would be like there's some this bottle is flawed yeah, and something assume, happened. <laughs> so what's the what's the funkiest thing that is considered acceptable? Is it petrol? It's no, no. I mean that's very, very acceptable. No, um, I guess the same thing. Barnyard is what we would call in the wine world, which I think is the same thing you're talking about, which is um, produced by Brettanomyces, which you guys know about. Um, I don't like Brett in my wine. I do like Brett in my beer. I don't know mm. why. It's just same. It's same. different for some. It tastes. It's. I. I don't know. It, it smells different for me in those products. I, I think. I, I think the source sugar just creates very different stuff between grapes and malt sugars. Because I agree. I like a nice Brett beer. I really love a Brett beer aged in wine barrels. And we have one we're gonna bust out after the tasting. Cool. So I can. I can make it about beer because <laughs> I'm the asshole who does that with everything. Uh, um, I think the nastiest thing that yeah, I mean for me that so that for me that's the nastiest thing and the the issue with Brett is that it usually uh, you know it just like appears you know it's like oh okay here's this like weird fucking bacteria that uh, can I swear on this yeah okay. fuck yeah <laughs> you you already did so welcome to the thunk tank illusion yeah. um, well Brett is a type of yeast it just behaves more like a bacteria right but it grows yes it's a type of yeast but it grows like crazy and you can't yeah. if it gets in your you barrel you can't kill it. You yeah. cannot stop it from growing in your barrel without bleaching the barrel. And why would you want to bleach like your two thousand dollar French, uh, you know, oak wine barrel? Um, <laughs> or maybe they're like three thousand dollars. Do you guys do they use uh, potassium uh, meta uh, to treat your barrels? I think beer guys do. I have no idea. Or actually, one barrel hall I worked at, they would to to do that to like keep Brett out. They would take these like sulfur pellets and they like a bung that lowers it in the barrel, and you'd actually burn it like in the barrel. And you'd like smoke it out, and that would like rechar it. I have no huh. idea. I don't know anything about barrels. I wish I knew oh, okay. more about barrels. Oh, I was, gonna, I was going to ask you what your favorite size of wine barrel is. Ooh, that depends on the wine. Because so, they all have amazing names. I have, yeah, I have some questions. I have, qu- I have a lot of questions about process, but, okay. um, but see, that's the size of a barrel. That's is, really yeah. funny. Uh, a butt so barrel. That's I, a, a type of barrel. B u t t. It's mm-hmm. bigger than a puncheon and smaller than a pipe. Hogshead so, is my favorite, but so I think a punchin, punchin is a punchin is a larger barrel, right? Is there Not is there a the relationship between the size I, of the barrel and the taste? Oh yeah, definitely. Because the, you know, if the size of if the, if you have a new a barrel that's new oak, um, and you it's small and you put a wine in it, it's gonna you know it's gonna get more oak characteristics. So personally, for me. I don't really want the oak to cover up my wine. It's a very delicate product. Like, why would you cover up all of this beautiful fruit that these people have spent all this time and energy and money growing and cover it up with, like, oak? I mean, you can add anything you want to wine in the United States. Like, there's no FDA regulation. Um, Like, there's wines out there uh, who, like, add oak chips into the barrels to make it more oaky Hmm. to, like, cover up their shit wine. you know, and it's just all there's a lot of garbage out there, and I feel bad because that's what um, that's what makes it so confusing and hard when you go into a, a liquor store or a wine shop to select wine. So you just go with what you're familiar with and move on. You never get to try anything new. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I tend, to, I tend to always yeah. get the same bottle that we found a couple of years ago, and I'll look around and pretend I'm browsing. Oh, can I help you with anything? No, no, I'm good. And then I just like zero in on the same bottle I get every week. Well, Along the same lines as that, Alicia, what is your take on like basic bitches who are drinking fruity truly? whites? What's are you this, glad? What's the skinny glad? girl one? All those cupcake wines? You sell a lot. I bet you sell a lot of that. Are you glad that they're drinking it, or like, I don't, resentful that they're not trying? I don't sell those wines, and I don't blame them. You know, these wines have been marketed toward them. I blame, mm. I blame the people who are producing this crap, not not the consumer. You know, how, McDonald's how, not, is the issue. It's it's not the it's not the consumer's fault that they're going toward this thing that was marketed toward them and then pretending they like it even if they don't. You know, I mean, they so literally designed the marketing campaign to to make it work on your psychology. So of course it's going to work. Well, whenever somebody tells me, "Oh, I love that wine," you just fill the glass with ice and then pour wine in. Oh, is God. is that supposed to be a thing? Because my instinct, again, as somebody who knows nothing about wine, is that doesn't sound right. 
I know people who drink wine with ice, and I try to always advise, or the red wine with ice, and I try yes, to always red advise, wine with ice. I try to always advise them that if they, um, if they want their red wine cold, to refrigerate it instead of adding ice to it. But I never, I try not to like tell people, like I don't want to ever like tell people what to do. You got to be careful. You don't want to get get. Uh, you don't want to make people feel like you're you're ruin you're ruining their routine or or just like ruining their enjoyment of it. Same thing with coffee. If you go, I wonder if you'll try this without cream and just taste the 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 fact of the it's Ethiopian coffee and it has these subtle flavors. They're like, yeah, no, no I always put cream and sugar in my coffee. I'm like, no, I know, but that's why it tastes like sugary cream. Right? Because like, you're really saying that <laughs> no, you, you put milk and sugar into your Dunkin' Donuts is what you do. <laughs> you haven't had coffee, but now I sound like an asshole for saying that. Yeah, and as right. soon as you sound like an asshole, they don't listen to you anyway. So right. it's a lose lose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I totally. Yeah, well, you that. can't tell someone they're they're drinking something wrong. I I once gave Joe, I think it was an 18 or 21 year old Scotch, and it was like a tiny oh shot God. glass bottle worth. That the that tiny bottle was like a like a twelve dollar bottle or twelve year uh, pound bottle, so it was like a fifteen dollar bottle. And like before I could even finish the first half of the sentence, I was gonna go through like a really detailed tasting notes with them. And I was like, so this whiskey was, and then he it was gone. He just chugged all. He's like, that was good. Is there any more? I was and like so mad. that annoyed yeah, me I, a little. I bit, was, but wasted. also he enjoyed it. So like, how angry can <laughs> yeah, I really get? Yeah, I was wasted and it was delicious. Yeah, Mission yeah, I bet it was. But today. I want you to tell us, Alicia. I want you to tell us what to do. Yeah, I'm very excited. All right. Oh, not- we should get into this white wine we have oh, here. <laughs> I, I have one more question about oak, though. Yeah, okay. I'm getting into oak lately. Yeah. Uh, as one so, might. <laughs> as, one <laughs> as, one, might. <laughs> as one does at this stage in his life. In so quarantine. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm noticing a trend in craft beer uh, a few years now for fooder age beers or fodder age beers. I don't know how you pronounce it. Fooder. But fooder, those are those big oak tanks. They like big oak fermenter tanks. Okay. Um, that you kind of like season and um, like a lot of breweries I know they'll use the same yeast blend, but they'll change the t- beer style all the time to like add flavors. And I'm just wondering, is that something that gets done in wine, or is it like a white wine barrel? Like, does it get reused from year to year, or is it that vintage from that year? We're going to start over with a new barrel next year. Like, can you put Chardonnay in Pinot? Noir barrels, all that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, How's like um, with like uh, bourbon, I'm pretty sure you, you yeah. legally are only allowed to use the bar- the barrels once. Yeah, but like beer, you can reuse them multiple times. So, is there what's what's it like for the wine world? Uh, that's the, the that's the winemaker's choice. Um, it's really expensive to keep using new barrels over and over again because they're really expensive. Like French, I think, I think, uh, I don't really know what the rates are now. I think a new American oak barrel is like $2,000 and a new French oak barrel is like $3,000. So if you have a winery, a really large winery, and you've got like 500 barrels with wine sitting in it, and you're only going to use those barrels once, that's very expensive to do. Mm. <laughs> so then you have to charge a lot for your wine. <laughs> and then that's a whole new issue. Um, there's a lot of people, like smaller producers in France that are more focused, like vineyard focused, which are wines that I tend to uh, gravitate toward, like wines that are kind of like made in the vineyard and the vineyard's focused on, that will just keep reusing barrels because they don't, um, because they don't, uh, they don't want to impart oak on their fruit. And those are the types of wines that I really like. Um, which is interesting because the white wine that we have is <laughs> is actually aged in oak, which is not traditional, but I absolutely love this wine. Um, what and, woods are used then? So that sounds like a perfect segue to this wine we're going to talk yeah. about. Oh, yeah. We, so why don't folks you listening, take it we away? all have the same white wine here, so we're going to like taste it and see how s- stupid or maybe smart we are. And thank uh, you so much, Alicia. I didn't do any cheating either. I didn't like it. look up this wine and tasting notes or anything. I just wanted to t- taste it honest and yeah fresh. same same we're coming in as blind as possible so we're we're your little uh your little ducklings in the nest that need to be <laughs> tended to and cared for so you're a pretty big little duckling johnny <laughs> yeah that's fair alicia did great work to make sure that all of us could get this wine too yeah, yeah. on sorry different for sides being, of the country sorry for being so pushy about that but i just really thought that it was important because the luke had bought wine and i was like dude your wine's gonna be way more fancy than ours so anyway um so the, the first wine that we have is Ferrari Carano Fumé Blanc, which is a Sauvignon Blanc from Sonoma County in California. It's Sauvignon Blanc is the name of the grape. It's a white grape that originated in Bordeaux, France. And in the 50s, they, you know, um, brought some clippings over to the United States. 
planted a from France and Italy, planted a bunch in California. Uh, there was a big outbreak of this bug called phylloxera, which feeds on the roots of vines. And they had to dig in all of Napa Valley up and Sonoma. Sonoma wasn't even related. By back bug, then. do you mean actual bug or like a, a bacteria or a virus or something? It's a bug. It's a it's a little like it's a bug. And oh wow. It was it was in the rootstock. There was like larvae or something like that in the rootstock that came over from France. And like Bordeaux had a huge outbreak. Germany had a huge outbreak. So we, they had to in Napa. They had to dig it all up, plant new vines. So the most of the wine that's being grown in France now are not from original uh, vine cuttings. Uh -huh. uh, it's an insect. Yeah, that's that's something I remember in North Carolina. The wine scene there when I lived there would brag about. They brought clippings over in like the 1700s or whatever. Yeah. And then when some blight took out a bunch in France, they were like, oh, this is the same thing. And they brought them back. So people in, in the wine scene in North Carolina would try to claim that French wines were from North Carolina. And I was like, uh, I think you just like were the greenhouse for the, for the vines for a little bit. You were an incubator. But yeah, I have heard that before. I didn't realize it was like such a uh, a global thing though that that could that happen again is are our vines in danger um i don't think so they don't no one no one seems to think so no one seems to think so um i mean i guess there's always a possibility but they really tried to like wipe out this bug as much as they could because they cost lots of money yeah when you so, said the word dig up all the vines i was like it sounds like a lot of work yeah i couldn't do that <laughs> Yeah. You have to, the vines are now socially I barely do my six laundry. Six feet apart, right? I, yeah, I can barely do laundry. <laughs> <laughs> um, should I open so, it? Yeah, so how yeah, much I ice should did, I pour with so. this? <laughs> as much as you want. No, I'm just kidding. I'd rather you not pour any ice. Uh, we took okay, this out of the fridge like 15 minutes ago, um, so it was really cold. Um, I love this wine so much. It's from a vineyard, or I'm sorry, it's from a winery in Sonoma called Ferrari Carano. Um, which were, uh, these vines were planted originally, I mean, you know, like in the 60s, they were kind of these uh, pioneers in California, if you were. The Carano family were one of the first kind of like originating families uh, into the California wine scene that migrated from Italy. And at the time, you know, there were only a handful. Um, I also served this wine at my wedding. I like it so much. Speaking of my wedding, I listened to a podcast one time I think it was on this channel. Oh, yeah. What was and, it called? And all I want... <laughs> was it Radiolab? Or Wait, Wait, Don't <laughs> no, Tell it Me? Was, it was NPR. <laughs> so all I can say... I mean, I'm not going to... I'm not going to really say names or anything. What I, I am going Luke. to say... Luke Skywalker, Luke Skywalker, and Luke Skywalker. Right. No, what I'm going to That's say... That's a reference to another podcast. <laughs> is that there are two people on the, that host this podcast who have never been married and who had very strong opinions about this wedding and then the one person who was married had strong opinions but had a little bit more empathy because it's very stressful it's very strange. There's I so many Luke moving Skywalker parts was the biggest asshole There's at so least many i don't remember criticizing the wine the wine was you fantastic were, yeah because you were probably drinking beer no i know i did i don't think <laughs> i think bar, i had a glass of i think i had a glass of red with with dinner the bartenders were shitty at that wedding oh, but the the beer and the wine choices were awesome. <laughs> well, the servers, and that's not you. That's the venue. Just didn't if you could, if you could get Whatever. the right beer, it was awesome. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> they did have two beers on tap, and they gave me the wrong one when I tried to order. So I was like, that's pretty hard to do. I know. Um, it's funny. Like my guy was I wasn't even drunk. <laughs> we were so removed from that because we were like in our own world. I think I had sure, yeah. the same glass of Ferrari Carano Fumé Blanc in my glass. Like, I think I had the same glass all night long. Oh, yeah. But we also and your had band was great. Oh, the, the band, band was really good. They were really fun. Um, all right, so let's dig in. So Ferrari Carano Fumé Blanc. Fumé Blanc is not a technical term. It doesn't really mean anything. It's a term that this guy named Robert Manda Robert Mondavi uh, coined in the like in the seventies. I've had Mondavi wine. I huh? Think. Yeah. I think yeah. I've drank wine with that name on the bottle, Mondavi. Yeah, he's like a California. He's dead now, but he was like a California pioneer. Also, yeah. Always alive start in pouring, arms. or do you have to like let the bottle breathe? No, just pour. <laughs> is there a way that you pour that's best? I've um, always been really bad at that like turn that you guys do. I always get a little drop down the side of the bottle. But I can pour beer bottles without doing that. But for some reason, wine is impossible. I, I'm so impressed when people don't spill wine. Oh, well, I think they're probably shaped a little bit different than beer bottles. I mean, not. I mean, not maybe not some. I don't really know. I mean, it happens to me too. I think that there's a trick where if you start, I'm just going to try to describe this, not knowing that people aren't looking at me. If you start pouring, and then you tilt the bottle back up, and then you twist, that's a way to catch the drop. 
Uh, okay, I'm going to try that. Should on my you start with your wrist sort of bent a little bit the other way so that you can get more turn, or just is it the motion? Wrist itself? bent the other way so you can get more turn. It's like like uh, yeah, if you bent your wrist like, up, like, yeah. More. Oh, I so you're flicking it back to normal. Yeah. No, I think that'll just. That, I actually think that might. Well, let's try. It might make it drip more. I like to tie a, a, a cloth around <laughs> the neck like they do in Italian restaurants. I like doing that. Oh, yeah. That's a thing, right? Have any of you been to a restaurant that has a sommelier before? Yes. A number of them. Yeah. Yes. Oh, did we're Karen just say yes, people. a number of them? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but I've been to France a number of times. Yeah, we're world times. travelers. I've been, you know. I've been to Italy. Yeah. Yeah, me and Luke are just yeah. Americans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Europe, no, yeah. I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My all right, first, let's taste yeah, it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, for our kind of Blanc, block, so uh, I guess the proper way to taste wine, if you guys want me to talk about that, I guess you will. Um, uh, you kind of uh, you look at it. I, I mean, I really haven't done this in years. Uh, you look at it, Ooh, uh, kind of at an angle, like if you were to hold your wine glass sideways, so you wouldn't be having, you know, you wouldn't pour a full pour at first. You know, if you're just tasting, you have it at an angle, so that makes kind of this oval shape around the glass so that you can see it's uh, it's called clarity, which is probably the same thing in beer. Um, you can look that it's not cloudy, so it's probably filtered, and then you smell it. Kind of get your first impression. And then you swirl it, if you can. And then you smell it again, and you should notice a difference on, after the swirl. Oh yeah, that's cool. Um, it, it smells. It smells kind of. Oh my God, I know nothing about wine. What came to my mind is fruitier. <laughs> that's fine though. That's what I was gonna say. It smells fruity. Yeah, it does though. Yeah, it, it's swirl. it's more of a it has more of a punch to it. Yeah, I think it just like releases like uh, I don't know uh, aromatic molecules. I am not a scientist. It, but it, it makes sense. I yeah, I feel like so All much right. of the language that one gets better at talking about something like this is because of like data points over time, like you can differentiate like okay you said fruity but what fruit and like right. in what way is it like well, I feel that way dried about, apricot I feel that like, way about know? coffee too yeah you just yeah. get Wait, better with more data yeah. points yeah right. Wait Luke you said so, dry and you said dried apricot is that cuz you can smell dried apricot That could have been a freudian I'm going to say yes because you <laughs> seem to want me to say I smell dried apricot <laughs> You seem to think that he's onto something other there's than just being a maniac yeah There's no right or wrong like like Did I, I have earlier, this like, wine about a month ago it smells <laughs> I mean, I a, a year ago at a wedding, it smells so familiar. I get hints of sun-dried uh, juice box and taxidermied stoat. <laughs> See, you can't challenge me on that. You don't know what that smells would, like. Alicia, nope. would you say dried apricot is is something that came to you when you smelled this, though? Fresh apricot came to me, actually, though. Oh, yeah, I was going to say fresh, yeah. <laughs> or, like white pe- or like white peach, like stone fruit. Like, yeah. I, I'm not a good enough in, in anything to get, like, specific stone fruits, but when there's that stone fruit taste, it jumps out at me. Yeah. But it's it's hard, unless it's, like, really right. on the nose with the apricot or peach or whatever, it, it's real hard for me to get super specific. So I want to say something, to, to if anyone is going to ever listen to this. Um, if um, Oh, they will. I think that you... The more you, the more different foods you eat. So if you were to, I mean, I used to do this in college all the time. If you just go to the grocery store and you're like, oh, I've never had kumquats before. Well, how could you ever pick that up in anything you're tasting or drinking or whatever? Mm. If you've never, you know, so like go buy like, I don't know, buy like five kumquats if you can buy some kumquats. And like, oh, I've never had dragon fruit before. Like, all right, you know, spend the $9 on that really expensive thing that tastes just like a kiwi. But, um, <laughs> like, uh, but now you know. Now you've got data points. <laughs> now, yeah, exactly. So I think anyone who's like getting into wine or like wants to talk about, you know, the different, you know, uh, nuances of what they're tasting. Um, my best advice is to just keep eating things that you've never eaten before and keep, you know, just keep doing that. Um, Have you ever heard of those like tasting kits? They're like 200 bucks online, but it, it has like 200 different like vials of chemicals that are like the tasting wheel of wine, basically. Oh, spike kits. Something like that. Yeah. Kind I forgot the name of this yeah. one I was thinking of, but um, I obviously am not about to spend $200 just to get better at having wine with dinner, but it's, the idea seemed cool. Like if you were studying for something, you could really learn to differentiate between things like that. Yeah, we had those um, when I was going to college. I mean, we had to buy them. I mean, it was not $200. It was like discounted, but they were very expensive and they did help. I mean, you don't drink them. You just smell them. It did help, you know, because then you could just like keep going back to it and then you can go to the wine and then like smell all these things and then smell the wine and, you know, and then kind of like deduce down based on that. 
I personally don't think that that matters at all for um, talking about wine with your friends. Yeah. Um, I. In fact, it um, might even be bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, like there's no like who, who cares if like you know like it smells like you know your weird uncle's like sweaty armpit. Like it just doesn't fucking matter. How do you know what I smelled out of this wine? <laughs> Yeah, I'm getting a. I get repressed Thanksgiving memories out of this one. Mm. I get star fruit and like a cut, freshly cut tree branch from a fruit tree. You know, I think what I get most importantly from Tree's smelling out. this is what I get out of most things that are, are kind of better quality that I like, such as coffee, where if it's really fresh and it's really good beans, I, I even just like sitting and smelling it for a while. And that's how I really, t- I know it's going to be good quality where you just smell it and you're, that's an adventure in of itself, right? Could I and, say and like maybe three-dimensional smell? Like you can say you, whatever you, wanna, you want. Oh, what I mean is like the wanna, smell is not just like, uh, this. It's like, you could tell it's like a, a musical chord. It's not just one note. It's a bunch of notes balancing each other. Like, I definitely get that vibe from yeah, this. Yeah, whereas when you, smell, when you smell cheap wine, it just kind of, ta- it might just smell sort of metallic-y or something. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's, it's like a one, one note, note metallic. and you're yeah, like, what note right. is that? Like E flat? Like, or just, it, yeah, doing? it just fades out with me- metallic tones or something, yeah. or a metallic tone or something. And that's when, uh, I Like know. the bag of shitty coffee, over you ice. smell <laughs> it, you're like, this smells like gross, oily coffee. Right. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, um, I, you know, you guys are just, you're talking about um, complexity and that, you know, that's what makes a high quality wine high quality. This wine, they make so much of this wine. Oh, I just love it though. I mean, I know that there's love put in it. It's, a, it's an all female winemaking team at Ferrari Carano now, um, led by this woman named Rhonda Carano. Uh, she was one of the, the founders of the uh, wineries. Her husband, Don Carano, died a couple years ago and she took over everything. Wait, National what's States. her name? Rhonda Carano. So they were Ron and Don Carano? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a cool couple. <laughs> yeah. The Ron Dons. Um, so, uh, like, I, I have I have a bunch of wine questions. Wait, but, wait, wait, wait. But I've looked at it and I've smelled it. Yeah, I like where you're going with this, Kara. Keep it. Keep it going. <laughs> Come on. Something about legs. Something about... <laughs> oh, yeah. So you can look at the legs. Legs tell you... Legs can tell you, um, and what legs are is like when you swirl it in the glass. Legs are the you know the parts of the wine that stick to the glass, and you can kind of start seeing it fall down the inside of the glass in these little drips. Yeah. And what you can tell up from that, um, if you really want to do that, is you can kind of tell if they're fatter legs and they're moving slower. It probably indicates that there's more sugar and or and or um, more alcohol in the wine. That'll make that'll make it stick to the inside of the glass. Um, if it kind of and you, you know it's it's good to have you know some of that because when you're swirling something like I don't know something really cheap or, or not cheap but uh, something of not not of quality. You just won't get any of that. It'll just like slide right. It'll just like drip right down the inside. Uh, I I love those signs like that. Yeah. Fat. So I'm, I was getting these thin legs. These are fat, legs. slow going, but I don't know if that's. I yeah, don't these know. are good legs, good thick gams on this one. I was. What say. do you think, Alicia? Yeah, I got thick. Yeah, I don't. Legs. They can, you know, the alcohol is actually pretty high, thirteen point eight percent. Um. How high does wine go? What's is there like an upper limit? And what's a table? <sighs> wine? Uh, a table wine is, um, I think, is any wine that is still. What does that mean? That it doesn't have bubbles in it. Mm. Oh, I thought you were about to say that is still this or Not that. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh yeah, shit, the internet went out. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. It doesn't refer to alcohol strength. Table wine. Oh yeah, I guess it would. Yeah, table wine does refer to alcohol strength. So I guess table wine was somewhere. My brain says that it's eleven, but I'm definitely wrong. Maybe nine. I think it's less than nine. I don't know. So yeah, so when you're tasting wine, it's like. It's going from like the range of flavors. Sweet is like how dry it is to how sweet it is. Isn't that like the main uh, spectrum for tasting it? Yeah. Because like you guys, there's not really like super bitter wine out there unless it's like flavored with a bitter fruit or something. It's like a weird country wine then. Um, 
can can you explain quickly like what 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 makes a wine dry or like what makes a wine sweet yeah so there's that scale and a lot of people have that question like well what is a dry wine a dry wine just means that it's not sweet so being at the at the at the least sweet level a wine is dry and then it graduates to off dry medium dry sweet something like that so so when when the, p- people talk about like buttery chardonnays Mm-hmm. Uh, is that because there's like a, there's that, it's like a residual sweetness that causes that? Is that the oak? Cause that's something I've heard from people. They talk about, I, I used to work at a craft beer bar that had wine and this, these Southern women would come in all the time. I'm like, is it a buttery Chardonnay? And I'm like, I don't even know what that question means. Like I've never, I had never heard a buttery wine and like I, multiple people would say it throughout the summers. Yeah. Is so that just a weird reason? Well, when it's hot out, you let the butter thing? swim around in it. Is that just a southern thing because they fry their steak, their chicken and steak, and their (laughs) steak and breaded chicken or whatever? No, it's not just a southern thing. It refers to part of the fermentation process, um, which it's called, I feel like I'm going to get so boring. It's called malolactic fermentation. So no, I, I love this. This, this is, is awesome. this is what I yeah, want no, to know. I've learned so much in the last 20 minutes. This is awesome. So when you ferment fruit, when you ferment grapes, um, a lot of times they'll have this harsh acid called malic acid. And there is a process in which I do not know what the actual process is. Um, I think it's, it's by adding or taking something away where you convert the malic acid into lactic acid and lactic mm. like lactose. It's probably gives- trading some hydrogen atom somewhere in there, whatever. Well, isn't lactic acid kind of sour? All organic. Then I have it backwards. Carbon chains. Mm. No, malolactic fermentation. Because lactic acid comes from lactobacillus in beer, I think. Does it? It's also what your muscles produce when you're tired. But what is what is in milk? It's also why I'm sore after running on the beach yesterday. That's lactose. Yeah, that's a that's a milk sugar. So yes, so that's what. So it breaks down the grape sugars and produces milk sugar. Kind of converts it to. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Hmm. and that would make sense. So that's what would like butter. That's what would give it like a butter or a creamy flavor. Um, but I feel like I've the, definitely uh, had a buttery white white wine before. I can't tell you what it was, but I, I remember that sort of like mouth feel of the, like a thicker buttery like sweetness in it somewhere in my past. It's interesting because nobody all, make a joke. <laughs> all, <laughs> all red wine goes through malolactic fermentation, but none of it. I haven't had a red wine that really tastes like butter or dairy. Which I always found is interesting. It goes. It, it, it's that, that that's a natural process for red wine through the fermentation process. Do you think but, the 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 different grapes just mask that that flavor from popping out or something? Maybe. Yeah. Are there subspecies of those grapes? The vitis vitis vinifera. Yeah. There's. Um, well, there's there's not. Uh, well, the subspecies would be the varietals. But then there's so there's vitis vinifera for winemaking, and then there's another called uh, vitis lambrusco, which is um, actually, a lot of the wild grapes in the United States, that's Vitis Labrisco. And um, it's not great for making wine, but people do it It's because it's really cheap. And it's just like your backyard grapes that happen to be randomly growing on your branches. Like, oh, I'm going to make a jug of wine. Um, but it's not really, they don't make it that high quality one. Apparently, we have a blueberry bush at this house. Uh, we just moved in. It hasn't come in yet. But if I get enough blueberries, I'm going to try to make a blueberry country wine. And I'm definitely going to call you up for some tips about that. Wait though, okay. With grapes, it's wine. With with pears and 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 apples, it's cider. No, like apples are cider. What about pear cider? Like would blue? Like what? When I think is they're it not still using. Wine? They're still using a- some apple sugars. In when is it not a cider? wine? Is wine not just grapes? I think in the United States, you can literally call it whatever you want. I mean, these wines don't even have to be. Like, so when we talk about a varietal, that's the name, that's the type of grape that's used to make a, a bottle of wine. Um, in the United, or in California, it doesn't even have to be 100% of that grape. Actually, in no state does it have to be 100% with the exception of Washington. I believe Washington has to be 95%. In California, it only has to, so if it says Merlot on the bottle, legally, it only has to be 75% Merlot. And, and so then the, you can... You, would you, like, is, is it, do they fill up the remainder of that with like other fruits for flavor or with just cheap fermentable sugars they 
they, they'll fill it with like some other like cheap uh, wine grapes that they, or, like, wine juice that they have, you know, grape juice, whatever. Um, so like, you know, there'll be a 75% Merlot and then they'll take 15% of Syrah and mix it in, which is like, you know, they're only doing that because they can, they're because their Merlot sucks and you know, they're trying to, that's essentially know, it watering it down palatable. to make it cheaper. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Well, or blending it to make it less right. harsh, like they do with whiskeys and stuff. Yeah, interesting. Or you know, it's just you know, in in Europe they blend wines all the time, but they don't even they don't even talk about it. Like every like, there's so much Bordeaux that's on the market. It's all Merlot, and everyone's like, I hate Merlot. It's like, well, no, you don't. You just had like three bottles of Bordeaux last night. It was like <laughs> all they were like eighty percent Merlot. <laughs> but so in mm. in terms of taste, like we we smelled this. Like, is there anything different between the smell and the taste? Of this wine, um, well, uh, I think that the smell, the aroma, is always going to be more. Um, it's always going to be like the nose of it, it's always going to be more intense than the palate. And so, like the reason that you smell it and then you taste it, when you taste it, you're just trying to confirm what you have smelled. Like if you if it matches up, and if it doesn't matches up, you go do the process again until you know you, you figure it out. That, are you, are you that supposed tastes to make like the, how it smells. That's amazing. Are you supposed? Are you, are you supposed to make the weird, uh, like, bong bubbling sound? Oh, we're drinking it. We're. Oh, my God. Wait. <laughs> Tell me gross. what you're doing, Alicia. I want to learn. <coughs> that was amazing. Oh. Um, Johnny tried to slurp and just breathed <laughs> yeah. it into his lungs, yeah, I think. Johnny wine. walk through on that. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, I'm going to need you to go over the that one more time. Um... What I do, I, I highly suggest not doing that in public. You look like such an asshole. But um, <laughs> yeah, go to your local oh, pub and, and order a glass of white wine and sl- and slurp it around. And see what I'm happens. I'm gonna stand at the bar and hold it up like this over my head at the bar and go, hmm, yes, yes, <laughs> while I look at it for clarity. The classic joke is you order a wine and just go, I think it's a white. You know, like you're studying it, and like <laughs> yeah. It's not you. Um, just how do you do it? I think it's for um. I don't know if I can explain this without. No, but I mean, just even the the what? process of tasting. Yeah. So the process of tasting. So uh, so this is this will be the last step in the tasting process, and then you go and start it all over again. Um, so you kind of want to make sure that if you don't, if you can't, although I suggest practicing with water, um, you know, uh, kind of the aeration and uh, swirling around of it in your mouth, uh, at the very least, you should swish it around like it's mouthwash and make sure that it coats every part of your mouth. Mm. And then you kind of want to um, feel your teeth with your tongue, feel the roof, like, just feel everywhere and kind of see, that, I mean, after you swallow or after you spit, kind of see, you know, what it feels like. Like if and it's then, dry or sticky. Yeah, I or... mean, you can, what's cool about this wine is that it has a lot of, um, natural acidity so grapes are highly highly acidic and that's in a quality wine like everyone like we, we're looking for acidity we really want acidity that's like the that's the qualitative peak that you want because high acidic um high, you know higher the acid i think it pairs with food better because if you take a sip of this wine that's acidic for you, you asmr folks at home you're gonna enjoy this guest <laughs> And you swallow it or spit it out. If you, I don't know if you want to do this on your guys' floor. I have a spit cup here. Yeah, Luke, don't mouth, spit all over my floor. If you open your mouth after you swallow it or spit it, you're like sat like there's saliva that's building up and yeah. you're salivating. And so that sensation is uh, due to the acidity working with um, the uh, physical attributes inside your mouth. Like, Are those you, like, like the when you have that... vinegar chips and it yeah. triggers the. It triggers that yeah. s- uh, salivation. The and same then, glands that if you imagine biting into a lemon, right? Like you would just feel them almost engage, even though you didn't actually bite into it. You just imagine it and you're like, ooh, and you pucker a little bit. Like, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the cool thing about the reason for that is that if you start salivating, I mean, like think about when you're hungry. Like, isn't that the kind of like stereotypical thing? So wine and food are really should go together because wine will you know it's going to make you hungry drinking wine will make you it'll legit make you hungry i don't know if it's a psychological thing or if it's like an actual physical thing but you will get hungry from my brain has psychologically somewhere paired like when i'm having wine i kind of want some cheese and crackers yeah it's always a good idea i think that that's more cultural for me like i when i drink wine i'm either really in a trashy mode or really classy there's really no (laughs) in between for me (laughs) 
That's uh, the difference between the $9 bottle <laughs> and the, the $20 bottle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one or the other. It's either a fancy charcuterie plate or I'm drinking it in a Disney pint glass full of ice. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> with a bag of Cheez-Its. At with a bag of cheese, <laughs> A bag of Cheez-Its and smart no, food in, popcorn. Yeah. In, a, in, a, in a house at 2 a.m. with a sister. Yeah. Um, I have to be honest with you guys. The, 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 more I get, I, the more I go into this industry, the trashier I get. I mean, I don't even... Like, I don't even care anymore, man. Just, like, pour it in a Dixie Dude, or a, yeah. pour it in a solo cup. I do not. I just don't care. I mean, but at least I have, like, some back knowledge. I just. I, <clears throat> no, I, I get I'm that. Just, I totally get that. I was going to ask There's, a question about that because I was sensing you, you made a few comments, like, 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 um, to this, to the um, idea that, well, yeah, there are all these details and all these rules and all these, you must do this with this kind of wine. You can only decant this kind of, and there's a sense of like, go fuck your rules, pour the wine and enjoy it, right? That's how I feel. But most people, I guess, um, especially the consumer doesn't feel, I mean, most consumers who are buying like expensive wine don't feel that way. Because they want to justify it in a way, right? Maybe. Or it, it, it's it's fun for like for, like we we used to do a lot of beer tastings and we were in beer tasting clubs in our old town and like it's it's just fun to to nerd out on your on your interests. It's like listening to music, Luke. You could just throw on a song that you're like, oh, this sounds good, or you could be like really aware and train yourself and be like, oh, I know what he's doing here. I know what this chord is. Like, oh wow, that was a really interesting progression. Whereas I might just be like, yeah, sounds good. That's a catchy tune. But I think the um, equivalent for music would be that in the in the music world, sometimes people get super geeky about equipment and they're like, oh, I'm playing on this mouthpiece with this lead pipe and I've taped on this kind of like thing with here. And it's like, yeah, you still sound like shit. Like, how about you just like play? Yeah, and there are other people that are like, yeah, I haven't changed my equipment in 50 yeah. years and like play something beautiful, you know? Willie Nelson's guitar with the <clears throat> hole in it, Tiger or Tigger or whatever yeah, it was. And, and it probably yeah. sounded more true Those- and honest and all those qualities you want out of music same with wine right you could probably do all this fancy stuff and aerate it and whatever and then it's like still shit wine or still good wine or you enjoyed it or you didn't enjoy it like i i i I totally like that sentiment I, i i picked up on it right at the beginning when we were like oh yeah we only have one wine glass and you're like whatever because I thought you might go, oh, yeah, you're really not going to really get the right aroma without the right glass or something. I mean, look, if we were drinking a, you know, if we were drinking a $60 bottle of like Burgundy, maybe that would, you know, maybe that would, you should have a better experience with that anyway. But like, we're doing this for fun. And I've drank $100 Bordeaux out of a jelly jar um, <laughs> with, with no food. <laughs> also, yeah. Alicia, I think so, like, that quote right there is going to be at the top of the episode as our lead in. Yeah, we always have yeah. a lead in, and that might be it. <laughs> That's the clip. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I, I think that, I mean, when I was first getting into it, I definitely had felt that way. I was definitely like, but I was also in, I was, I don't know, I, I, I would feel that way. And I have people who are getting into the industry who have kind of taken under my wing, I think, who still feel that way. But, like, as time goes on, it's just, like, you realize it doesn't matter. Just in, enjoy the experience, you know. Um, and if you want to learn more, you know, feel free to ask questions. But if you just want to enjoy your, you know, enjoy your thing, just do it. Mike Spazzato actually said something to me once that really resonated because I was talking to him about this same exact thing. And he said that he feels the way about he feels the same way about music is that the longer he plays music, the more he's like actually okay with listening to Taylor Swift's new album or, you know, listening to Post Malone and like checking it out and not judging it and just being like, okay, this is a thing. And these people are making tons of money. Like good for them. Um, I guess I feel that way about wine. Although I, I, I don't appreciate when people are putting crap wine out there and marketing it towards the general public because it's not it's not good and those wines have legitimate poison in them what do you really? mean legitimate poison like oh yeah bites and I, I remember i made the joke uh before the cast about uh, like oh i found this great wine i know it's good because it's from far away it's called yellowtail and i think you said you know eh. so yeah you said it's literally poison yeah what, what do you mean by that so not that this came up in yellowtail but the uh, i think it was it was like six years ago or seven years ago, a study came out and there were 16 wines from California that had um, detectable levels of arsenic in them. Oh, that's not great. 
And so, you know, so a lot of people, you know, fired back from these wineries saying arsenic is naturally occurring in the soils, yada, yada, yada. It's like, well, yeah, arsenic is occurring in the soils. I mean, botulism is naturally occurring. It doesn't mean right. it's good for Everything's you. natural. Right. Yeah, Anything the, that is is natural. The bubonic plague yeah. just happened. <laughs> Coronavirus yeah. is natural. It doesn't yeah. mean you want it. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean you put it in your wine. Is that why the older, like, rich wine, like, uh, like wino type people are out of their goddamn minds because they've been drinking arsenic for, like, 30, 40 years? Because <laughs> I've seen some of those couples come into the bar and they just... And they're just like, it's, you know, they're like, there's a, you could tell there's a theme song going on in their head throughout their day. They came in nuts and then you put the arsenic on top of the head. Yeah. 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 So the, 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 the thing about the arsenic is that it was actually added to the wine. Uh. The winemakers were, the winemakers were adding it to the wine and I tried to, I searched the internet and it took me forever to find out why anyone would add arsenic to wine. Shiny? It was to make it shiny. Are you serious? Wait, yeah. really? Uh, the Romans used to uh, cover their debased currency when they, they'd reprint their coins. Uh, they'd like put less metal in it to, so they could print more, like old school ancient right. world inflation and they would coat them in uh, arsenic so they'd be shiny so you'd be like yeah it's silver but it was only like 20% silver and then you were just handling arsenic coins all day yeah so that's that's what it did it gave it a sheen so was there a pushback cool. against that did they uh, were they required to not do that or socially pressured to not do that they were socially pressured to not do that wow and you said it was it was a, a pretty or a fairly large percentage of wineries that were doing it there, no, there were, there were 16 bottles that, that were, were tested and uh, had arsenic detected in them. And their response was, arsenic is naturally occurring, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, the pushback from the wine community was, well, if arsenic is naturally occurring, why is it only showing up in your wines? Right, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, at, at um, unhealthy detectable levels. That yeah. actually, I, I wanted to ask in... I, I don't know if it's in connection to that at all because this is another thing that I always see and I've always wondered and I have no idea about, which is our sulfites. Good, bad, ugly, because I see it Clint says, Eastwood. It says contain sulfites. Some bottles say don't contain sulfites. So it seems as if there's something to either or say no added sulfite so i guess it's just naturally occurring how many is that is it is it did a lawyer arsenic? write it did yeah. they write it like is it, <laughs> is it a marketing thing is it another arsenic situation this so, one does say contain sulfite yeah what's going on there, there are a certain amount of sulfites i want what's going on with sulfites what's up with that so the level of uh the level of sulfur that's in dried fruit jams and like orange juice are is far higher than any level of sulfur that's in your wine. So when people claim to have a sulfur allergy, the first question out of my mouth is like, "Oh, do you do you do you eat jelly?" You're like, "Oh, I just want to change the conversation topic. Do you like peanut butter and jelly?" And they're like, "Oh, I love it. It's my favorite sandwich." It's like, "You're bullshit." Wait, so my <laughs> orange juice contains sulfites? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm good. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> or you're really so, bad. <laughs> yeah, or I'm dying from orange juice. Okay. Or is it like how they say bananas are radioactive, but you're fine living around bananas? So it's like fine. Yeah, why sulfites? I think I re didn't we have a cast where we we looked it up and you had to eat over 500 bananas like in a day or in an hour to actually like have a appreciable radiation dose. That sounds it's about well, no, I think it's I, something more than the amount of bananas you'll ever be around, hopefully. What if you're what if you're <laughs> right. on a ship full of bananas? A barge you get, of bananas. And you fall down into the uh, banana It's just hole, alliteration, a barge of bananas. And you're just laying Yeah, and you're laying in like literally tons of bananas. Then That's maybe your chance of cancer goes up by like point oh my God, zero, is that zero, 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 one Hulk? Would you I bet eat that's how you make oh yellow hulk? You would have to eat the peels also. You gotta do what you gotta do. You just gotta <laughs> be the banana, man. Uh, wait. So why do they why do they say on it whether or not it contains sulfites? Then on the wine, why do they? I don't know. Some people. Um, is that not a legal thing they have to put on there? Yeah, they have to put it on there, and I don't know why. Because oh. it's not harmful. But there, there are there's a very small percentage of people who, um, who are allergic to sulfites or to sulfur, and they know that though. Like they're like, no, I don't eat apr I don't eat dried apricots. Or like, no, yeah. I when don't. you ask them I the peanut butter and jelly thing, they're like, oh hell no, I've never touched jelly. Like, yeah, they're like, oh no, I don't. You know, I, I can't have raisins. Oh, no. so so it's 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 almost the equivalent of saying may contain or contains like processed in the same factory right. as tree nuts it, and peanuts and it's a, it's a know, disclaimer whatever. like that essentially. I think so. Yeah. Oh okay. All right. Thanks everyone for listening to the Funk Tank podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. 
Uh, if you want to help us out, please consider leaving a rating or a review wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, share it with people you think might like it. And if you really want to support us, you can go over to patreon.com slash thunktankpodcast. We have links to this in, in the episode description and other places. And for as little as $1 an episode, you can help us keep the lights on. And you also get access to a very special Drunk Tank uh, feed of episodes. So every few episodes, we'll have a few more beers and record an extra 20 to 30 minutes of extra thunky, silly uh, whateverness. So there's a separate RSS link you can get from there. And if you put that into a podcast player, you'll get your own separate feed of only the Drunk Tanks. I think we have about six or seven of them out already and more to come. Thanks for listening and stay funky.